Hi, and thank you for joining us again on the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center podcast. I'm John Neuer, Communications Director for PVPC. The Pennsylvania General Assembly is back in Harrisburg in a few weeks, and ahead of their return, the PA Budget and Policy Center today is putting out its detailed analysis of the budget that the General Assembly passed right before they left town a few months ago. Today, we're joined by Mark Steer. Mark is the director of the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center, and together with policy analyst Diana Paulson, he co-authored the analysis. So, Mark, thanks so much for taking time out to talk to us today. Sure, John. So why don't we start with the positives? Um, Even if you have to squint a little bit to see them, what is there to like about the budget that the General Assembly passed before they left for summer break? Well, there are a lot of areas where there's uh, small increases, but significant increases in in spending, and I want to go over some of them. First, in K-12 education, there's a 3.5% increase in the basic education funding, which goes to the funding formula. Uh, That's a good thing. Our schools need that. Uh, There's an increase in special education funding of about $50 million. That's a 4.4% increase. Um, There's some other changes in the budget that affect schools. The minimum age for entry into the school schools was reduced from 8 to 6, and the dropout age was increased from 17 to 18. And that will encourage people to get early education, which we know is very important for them, to stay in school, which will prepare them for post-secondary education. And that's also important. Uh, there was a substantial increase in higher education funding, both for the PASHI system and for the state-related schools. That totals about 4.5% increase, um, which is a, you know, a, a, a substantial increase there. There was more money for workforce development. Um, after a big increase last year, uh, there was another increase uh, in the current year budget. Um, and that uh, that's also really important because we know that training for people uh, who don't go on to college uh, is really important to creating jo- jobs and uh, making people qualified for jobs and helping our businesses find the kind of employees they need. So those are uh, all, all areas where important fund increases took place. Oh, let me mention one other one. There was an increase in intellectual disability spending by $88 million. We've had a, a long waiting list of 5,000 people who uh, graduate from high school and then go back to their homes and their parents or caregivers are stressed by the really demanding uh, need uh, that um, people with intellectual disabilities often pose. The, that additional funding will, won't eliminate the uh, waiting list, but it will reduce it by 865 individuals. And that's a really good thing that the General Assembly did. Um, and in all these cases, uh, the governor proposed increases, and in, in some of them the General Assembly added a little bit more, and some they were a little less, but they're roughly along the lines of what the governor proposed in his budget last year, at the beginning of the year, rather. Now, can you talk about some of the things that were being debated um, that did not happen? They were being discussed as part of budget talks. Um, You know, I mean, one of them that got a lot of attention towards the end, that was minimum wage. But, you know, there were some others as well. Can you talk about uh, can you talk about those? Sure. Uh, we very much wanted the minimum wage to be increased as part of the budget. Uh, 
people may remember that Speaker Terzai in the House uh, ruled discussions of the minimum wage out of order, and we thought that was pretty ridiculous because the minimum wage uh, increase would have contributed to the budget in two ways. It would have generated more tax revenue and it would have reduced some social service spending, particularly for Medicaid, as people move from traditional Medicaid to expanded Medicaid, which is reimbursed at a higher rate by the federal government. So that was one big disappointment. Another big disappointment was the General Assembly eliminated general assistance. Uh, that's a program that provides support to individuals who do, who do not qualify for TANF, but are in desperate need of support. Uh, it gives people a small amount of cash, about $200 a month, to Pennsylvania's most vulnerable citizens, including people who need help because they are temporarily or permanently unable to work due to a disability, people who are survivors of domestic abuse, people who are caring for ill or disabled family members, or in a drug treatment program. Um, it doesn't cost a lot of money. It really helps people who need help. And in many cases, because a lot of these people are waiting for approval for their Social Security disability payments to uh, kick in, and that can be a year to two-year waiting period at some points, the state would get reimbursed for their spending once they were approved for Social Security disability. That was a big disappointment. The governor proposed that the general assistance should continue uh, after the courts ruled last year that the legislation that killed the program about six years ago was unconstitutional. Uh, unfortunately, what the Republicans did, they they included the repeal of general assistance in the Human Services Code, and that was a bill that the governor really couldn't veto because in that bill was what we call the Medicaid assessments for hospitals and other um, health care providers, and those assessments provide critical funding for Medicaid. So the governor was between a rock and a hard place, and he signed that bill, and we were very disappointed that the Republicans felt it necessary to to really do an act of cruelty to people who very, very much need help from the state at very low cost. And that, that was very sad. Um, among the other things that didn't get done is the governor has propo proposed a state police fee for municipalities that rely on state police coverage. Um, again, the General Assembly basically ignored it. We think this is something that really should happen. It's just unfair that some people in the state pay both for state police and for the local police forces. And in other places in the state, the state police pick up uh, the coverage that would be done by local police, but there is, is no local police. Uh, that's a, a really good idea that the governor's proposed three years in a row, and it just simply has not gotten any traction in the General Assembly. So those are the big things that we think didn't happen that should have happened. So I, I also wanted to zero in on one of your conclusions in the budget analysis, which is actually looking ahead to 2020-2021 budget negotiations. And that is to note that it looks like we're going back to a conversation about a budget deficit that legislators are going to have to deal with. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of pundits looked at budget negotiations this past year as you know in comparison a little bit easier because of the situation with uh higher than expected revenue in the state but uh as you are looking ahead to 2020 2021 
Um, you know, can you explain what it means that we might be looking at a budget deficit again? Um, and can you talk about some of the ways legislators could honestly address a situation like that, uh, a situation similar to um, budget negotiations that we have had in the recent past, just not this past year? Sure. Basically, our conclusion is that, you know, depending on the state of the economy, we may start the budget negotiations for the for next year's budget, the, the budget that begins in July 2021, facing a deficit. Um, that is to say, the projected revenues may not cover what we call the cost to carry budget or the, the, the budget that would continue to do what the state is doing this year. Why are we concerned? Because while everyone applauded, you know, the passage of a balanced budget, uh, as we looked into more detail, we saw that once again, um, the budget was balanced which, with a lot of maneuvers and gimmicks that um, Pennsylvania has, seems has become addicted to. Uh, we Year after year, we do things like uh, have questionable savings included in the budget. Um, we estimate that around that uh, spending for medical assistance for example is um, projected to be f roughly 400 million dollars less than will probably be necessary in the current uh, fiscal year uh, this if i if i'm correct would be the third year in the row in which the, the enacted budget underestimates the, the, the need for funding for medical assistance it's almost a tradition that we do this uh, we underestimate the funding, then we have to pass the supplemental uh, appropriation. And that's, you know, that we can do that, but it means the money has to come for somewhere uh, to cover that supplemental appropriation. And that it also means that the revenues projected for the future may not cover all of uh, medical assistance for next year. Uh, there's some questionable uh, revenues included in the budget. Um, for the third year in a row, the General Assembly uh, proposed transferring money from uh, uh, the medical malpractice fund called JUA into the uh, into the general fund budget. Doing the transfer to the begin with is questionable, but it's particularly questionable when the courts have ruled two years in a row that it's illegal to make that transfer. And we suspect they will do that again. So that's a $200 million hole. There's smaller projections of money that might be raised from uh, licenses to expand gambling where we don't think those licenses will actually be sold. So, uh, you know, all told, uh, on the questionable savings and revenues, we think the budget's about $445 million short. Then there's um, a number of one-time savings, um, gimmicks that, that the budget uh, writers use to reduce the, the amount of spending in the current year by either pushing it off to the forward or pushing it back to, to future budgets or rolling it back to previous budgets. Um, there's, or by using some one-time savings. So for example, there's a change in how we do managed care that gives us one-time savings of $260 million in the current year budget. We won't have that next year, so the money's gonna have to come to, to fill that hole. Um, uh, there's, um, Use of FIA funds to, that is the, uh, the organization that, uh, uh, pr provides loans to college students and makes back a certain amount of money with that. 
Some of those funds were used to reduce general fund expenditures for education. That's $30 million. Um, we've covered what's called PlanCon, which is the program that uh, reimburses school districts for capital ex expenditures, that is new schools and remodeling schools. Uh, that money used to come out of the general fund budget. We passed a bond issue to cover it. At some point, um, that bond issue runs out. It's going to have to go back into the general fund budget. So if you add all this together, we're looking at about $1.1 billion uh, that might be a hole that has to be filled uh, in next year's budget. Now, if revenues you know, go up again, uh, maybe that hole won't be there. But we have some, we're actually more concerned about revenues declining. Uh, as I think our listeners know, there's been a lot of talk about a potential for a recession. Um, if we were to have a recession, state revenues could drop radically. Um, even the, the threat of a recession should make us worried that we're not going to get, you know, the, as strong an increase in revenues as we usually get year, year over year. And that might make the, the, uh, the potential hole in the, in the budget even bigger, which means we'll be starting next year's budgeting, having to come up with new revenues or facing cutbacks on some things that the state does. And cutbacks is not something we think uh, should be talked about because the other deficit that concerns us besides the budget deficit is the public investment deficit. As we've been saying year after year, this state actually underspends. Uh, we, we spend much less than we should in K-12 education, which is why we have the most unequal uh, K-12 funding of any state in the country. We spend much less than we should in higher education funding, which is why we're about fourth from the bottom in per capita spending per student on higher education, and why why one of the few things we lead the nation in is uh, uh, debt, uh, student loan debt for uh, uh, college graduates. Uh, we spend less than we should on uh, infrastructure, which is why so many of us pay the pothole tax. You know, every year we you know uh, we or every couple of years we have to pay a couple thousand dollars to fix our uh, struts or shocks in our cars because we hit a pothole that uh, either state or local government hasn't been able to fix in time. Um, and then we're facing uh, the problem of money running out in two years for local public transit subsidies. So, uh, and, and even uh, at the current rate, we don't think we're providing enough money from the state to expand public transit, which is so critical to uh, uh, economic development in our large and small cities, and, uh, and also in making it possible for people without cars to access jobs and, and to shop and do the other things they need in their daily life. So on the one hand, we have uh, a potential budget deficit, you know, a billion dollars, you know, compared to some of the budget deficits we've had at the start of a year is not as bad as up as we faced before. But we have the continuing public investment deficit that really holds back our state. Um, you know, the state's growing, but it's not growing as fast as a lot of states in the country. And one reason for that is we just underinvest in important things that add to the productivity of our workers, uh, that make businesses more productive, things like education and infrastructure. And as long as we keep doing that, uh, we're, we are 
going to be less prosperous than we should be, and that prosperity will not be shared with everyone as it should be. So those are some of the things that concern us going into next year's budget. I should note that if you have not seen it yet, we uh, will link to the uh, budget analysis in the description of this podcast. Uh, Mark Steer, director of the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, John, and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget, check out our website, uh, which is now krc-pbpc.org, our new fancy website. Uh, There you can find links to our Facebook page, our Twitter account, uh, policy papers and memos, a directory that's easily searchable to find all kinds of helpful materials uh, from our archives and more recently. And also, don't forget, subscribe to this podcast if you're listening on Apple iTunes or on SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon.